Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Eric Wallace about navigating the complex employee healthcare benefits landscape. Eric Wallace, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Connecticut. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about employee health care benefits. This is a super tricky landmine-filled conversation. It's such a challenge. And we were we were talking in the pre-interview, just getting to know each other a little bit. We've been preparing for this for a while. And you shared a bunch of materials with me, Eric. And we were talking about, you know, what path to take this conversation. The reality is. This is a huge challenge for pretty much everybody. I'm not sure of any organization that isn't grappling with this because the, the costs of healthcare just continue to go up yearly almost. Uh, it, it, I mean, it seems like about 30% a year for, for the last decade, maybe two decades. Uh, and that is such an unsustainable kind of a, a trajectory of, of uh, cost and expense growth. Um, yet it's the reality and organizations have to figure out how to deal with it. And so enter people like Eric and in Eric's company, uh, where they're trying to help navigating this complex system easier and trying to help give organizations more options. So this is what we'll be exploring together today. And I really appreciate Eric taking the time. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to share your insights with me and my listeners. As we get started, I wanted to share Eric's bio with everybody. Eric Wallace has spent the past decade plus developing, implementing, and executing commercial strategies with Smith and Nephew operating in the medical device industry. He has held a variety of commercially focused roles, including executive level leadership. Eric has a proven track record of delivering results through incremental top and bottom line growth. He has led large complex global portfolios, developed and executed brand strategies, including multiple marquee product launches. He has extensive experience in leading sales teams, built out multiple specialty sales strategies, and scaled selling organizations behind them. Throughout his career, he has driven change through inspirational leadership and strategic problem solving. So that's a fantastic background. Eric, wonderful to have you. And before we launch on into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your personal or professional background or, or story, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, maybe just like a, a high-level summary of what you just uh walk through, which, you know, I'm humbled by it. I've been very blessed in my career. 
I, I had a, the benefit of being a builder. So that was like the best way I would describe that. A strategic problem solver with sort of more of a commercial focus, both sales and marketing and how to build and create strategy and then how to actually implement that in the market. So with that being said, I would tell you that I did not envision employee benefits. It wasn't exactly something that I circled in the industry options and said, that's where I'm going next. Um, I, I'm but, not sure anyone does. <laughs> yeah. But what I would say is, you know, I sort of have a pathway that landed me here. I'm putting everything that I've used in my experiences in the past to work here. And, and I would just say like part of the excitement of this conversation is just how dysfunctional our healthcare system is in the United States. And there is a, it is a target rich environment. So when you build and you and build yeah. strategy, like that's a, it's actually turning out to be a pretty good place to be. So, uh, yeah, anyway, well, it, yeah, certainly, yeah. And certainly there's huge, huge need here. Um, again, the complexity here is, is just tremendous. And so we need more people providing more solutions and more opportunity. I think, um, if we if we have any hope of, of being able to be successful. So let's, let's start there. Let's, you already talked about the, some of the challenges, let's identify some of the most common roadblocks and challenges um, when we're talking about health benefits and plan sponsors within organizations. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of places to go. Let's just start at the, the top, which is if you think about the makeup of the U.S. economy, which is made up of people, you and I, you know, our families, our spouses, our, our friends, family, et cetera. 99% of all employers are less than 500 employees in the United States. So like this small employer market, it is the lifeblood, in my opinion, of the U.S. economy, right? And what's interesting about our healthcare design, and especially specific to the benefit designs that are available, from the plan sponsors, you know, CEO, CFO for each of those employer groups, as well as sort of the institutions, they're sort of referred to as the BUCAs, the big carriers, right? The big healthcare companies that provide those solutions, the brokerage communities that are guiding these employers through these processes, right? It's basically been this sort of industry consistent norm that you have to be fully insured. And when you're in that design, you do not see your data of what your actual costs are. And it is pretty consistent. I think you hit it on the head in the front end of the call that you're basically just seeing double digit premium increases. And this, I would sort of articulate that as kind of the trap that we're trying to break those groups out of. So, you know, that's one element of what we sort of focus on. The other, and that is like solutions that give them choice outside of just swallowing an increase or just flipping over to a different fully insured plan or a self or level funded plan with the same carrier, which is basically the same exact thing you had before um, and giving them choice and control on showing them a path on how to get out. Um, and then what does it mean, right? It's not just about cost, right? Sort of our, our tenant and our vision is delivering more access to better healthcare at a lower cost. And you can maybe build on that and just say sustainable cost, right? So 
you know, I, so, are, so are you suggesting that yearly double digit premium <laughs> increases are not sustainable? <laughs> they're not, they're not. I mean, and then when you think about like those in the fully insured design, but in the self-funded design, the costs are also going through the roof, right? We spend a lot of time in pharmacies, like specialty medications, like the trend and 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 um, overall spend in those categories are they are debilitating. And what does it mean? You're making a choice between people, bodies that you need to grow your business, talent, right? And on how you deliver what you are delivering to market if you're an owner, when you're trying to swallow these, there's trade-offs, right? In any PL. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Double digit increases year over year. (laughs) I would not articulate that as sustainable. And I think what's worse is you're seeing this increase in costs and this downtrend in the quality or access of care. Exactly. That's the only way to make the math work, right? Is because people can't continually eat the higher and higher costs. And so you kind of have on the one hand, higher costs with lower coverage, lower care quality. Uh, and it's, that's been the trend, both, you know, in both, both uh, areas for, for as long as I've been an adult thinking about these things. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's, it's complex landscape, you know, and like, well, I'm sort of still a student of the space. Right. I have learned quite a lot rapidly since I joined. Um, but then you sort of get struck with your own personal experience. Like my daughter hurts her knee. And now I'm trying to figure out where, where am I going to go to get an MRI? Where can I go? Right. Or do I have choice in that? Should I see a cost before? Then I get balanced billed on the back end of it. Now, do I just pay it? Yeah, that's what we do. So I think there's like this other, this other piece that as a team, we talk about a lot, which is having pathways and solutions is one element. Having employers and most importantly, members, like just get more engaged in the healthcare process is a critical element. You know, and I can look in the mirror and say like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Went down the path and went to, Connecticut Children's and got an MRI and got balance billed and paid the bill. And so, you know, I'll be sort of honest in that, but that's, that's another critical piece here. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Um, so as we're talking about trying, trying to maintain quality care, keeping costs and cost increases within a reasonable range, um, how, how do plan sponsors get in their own way or prevent savings from happening for, for within the organization? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, and it, it, in some ways, it's kind of like a catch-22 for the plan sponsor. So there's like a couple of different elements I'll walk you through here, which, which I think will resonate. The first is benefits for employees are wildly important for retention, creating a culture within an organization, right? So, and whenever you talk about change in anything, whether you're going one plan to another full intro plan, let alone doing something more disruptive, the disruption to the members is typically where those like pathways and options sort of start to die, right? And then the, the industry and the norms start to like fan those flames, right? And then incentives start to play a role in that. So you think about your broker. Well, how are they incented? 
And yes, they're incented on you choosing a plan, but they're also incented on you renewing. And the renewal bonuses are, if you actually peek behind the curtains of that, are shocking to keep that group in that lane renewing and they get a significant compensation for that. So that person is incented to fan the flames of don't go down that other path. Just renew and swallow this premium increase. Okay. So there's like a, there's a bucket in that. The next piece that I think matters is like how you trust. There's all these solutions in the market, right? There's all these one-off health plans. There's these small innovative health plans that are bubbling up. There's all these different cost containment solutions. There's lifestyle modification solutions and, and people get burned by trying to do that and investing time to roll it out and educate and then it falls apart, right? So I think that that's an element of it too. And then, you know, this is sort of maybe just my personal opinion, but your plan sponsor who is over the top of a wildly complex delivery to your number one asset, which is your people, right? They're not incented to deliver savings. So like you will see a CFO and a plan sponsor. You can sort of watch that engagement go back and forth. And the plan, spar, the plan sponsor has the trump card, which is the first one, which is employee disruption, right? And why are we going to, you know, cut off our nose to save our face, right? So Anyway, sort of a, a deeper answer, but those are those are some of the, the elements I see. And it's one of the things I qualify with the plan sponsor up front. Like, wh what's driving this? Is it yeah. fiscal? How aggressive are you willing to be? How sensitive is your membership? What changes did you implement last year? How did they go? Like, all those pieces play a role. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, so let's, let's also talk about self-insured employers. Um, what can... Uh, employers taking the self-insured route due to decreased pharmacy benefits costs. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen Organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, the Future Leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital. 
exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Yeah, so I mean, so industry standard practices running an RFP. I mean, you can simply just renew with a PBM. And I find a lot of employer groups that are just sort of like, again, pharmacy is 30 cents on the dollar, but it's growing in that share of the, of the healthcare spend now, right? So when, when you want to go down a path to look at that, typically you would go into like an RFP environment. But one of the things that we were trying to rebuild that I'm building in Coeo is that ideology doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like I'm going to take my thousand life group and go out into the market and get an RFP response from all these different PBMs, try to make sense of all the noise of all the catchphrases of the value prop of all the different PBMs, traditional, transparent, pass through. One, I just heard a new one, which was we're a fiduciary PBM, which I thought was, you have to maybe walk me through that, but um, make sense of all that. And then how to understand the economics. Now, like one of the things we do with, with uh, Coyo is we simply just take where you are today. We have pre-negotiated PBM contracts that we've negotiated down to all the details where the, where the math actually happens. It's not in the discount rates, not in the math, it's in the language. So they're really tight deals. But the most important piece is we let our employer groups and brokers see exactly what their utilization spend, what their members need in medications. It's like a fingerprint, it's unique. What will it cost in each individual deal? And are there net savings? How would you get to them? What would it entail? And then the disruption. So how noisy would it be? How many tier ones today go to tier twos on your formulary? Tier twos go to tier ones. How many are excluded, et cetera. So, you know, I think just looking at what you're spending on pharmacy is important. And what I would tell you is that, and this is maybe in the weeds, but it shows why you need to focus on it as a plan sponsor. 30 cents of the dollar, okay, is pharmacy. Inside of that, specialty medications, okay, are maybe three to 5% of your claims volume derived from one to 2% of your members and represent over 50% of your pharmacy spend. So it's kind of a lot of math there. But what I'm basically saying is 15 cents of the dollar is one category of drugs and it's coming from one to 2% of your membership. And there are things that we can do to help you mitigate that cost substantially. That's a meaningful, meaningful impact. We just went after that piece. We could, we could drive good savings and control. And that trend on that category is so vertical right now that brings us back to not just delivering savings, but delivering sustainability. So let, let's talk about that. So what, what do we do with that, uh, that slice to, to try to increase affordability? So it is, it is the most expensive, obviously, portion of drugs, generic drugs, branded drugs, specialty drugs, okay? So there's a couple of different pathways. Manufacturers actually have two different pools of monies that employer groups and members directly can tap into to help offset those costs. 
So the first would be specialty copay, which is sort of adjusting your SPD so that your members have a higher copay, coinsurance commitment on those larger uh, or more costly drugs, especially drugs, and then enrolling them in the copay assistance programs directly with the manufacturers that taps into one bucket of money. Savings we see there is typically about 25 to 30% savings on the specialty spend, okay? So that's one strategy. That strategy you can get to through third-party vendors that specialize in it. There's also PBMs that do this now internally and offer it as a, as a solution inside of their offering, which is one of the things elements we have inside of Coyo. The other pathway is patient assistance. And this is essentially free drugs, if you will. It's carving coverage out of the benefit. So the members are not covered in the benefit for those specialty drugs and then enrolling them in the patient assistance programs with the manufacturers. Um, and that process a little more detailed, right? They have to qualify to get assistance, but when they are qualified and approved, it's a hundred percent reduction on that cost. And then what you get back is like a 20 to 30% sort of industry norm on a, a savings fee to the provider that's, the, that's running that program for you. And again, that one as well, Third-party vendors execute it, as well as some PBMs are now offering this program internally. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So that's super helpful. And really, I, I guess that's where where all this comes into play is is the practical implementation of strategy, so that we can actually make a dent in some of these these challenges. Both, you know, from the the quality of care side as well as the the cost side. Um, you know, and, and right now we're in the middle of super high inflation. So that's only contributing to the rise in costs that are already high and, and year after year double digits. Um, and so, you know, anyone listening who, who may have some sort of influence or responsibility in their organization uh, around employee health care benefits, uh, what would you say to them, you know, as like the first steps to try to start to, to move things in a positive direction? Where, where should they begin? Well, I mean, I think they need to be having a, a transparent conversation with those who they are paying to guide them on those paths, their brokers. They should have a conversation about what is their strategy? Where are they today? Where should they be going? What do they want to explore? And I think they should become more than engaged, but driving that strategy forward. That's the first piece. I think there's another layer behind that, which is understanding the incentives. And at that, you know, transparency is this buzzword in, especially in the pharmacy side of the world. Um, it tells you how much is going on behind the scenes when everyone is using the word transparency to differentiate themselves. Um, but I would suggest having an open dialogue with your broker, understanding the incentives that are in play, taking command and driving what you wanna go evaluate in the market. It doesn't mean you need to jump all the way in, but you should at least drive what you are seeing as options of where to take your business. Um, and make sure you're getting sort of an open and objective delivery in that. Um, you know, you, certainly on the pharmacy side, you can come to us. There are other options in the market as well. Um, you know, there are different coalitions that operate sort of different ways. You can run an RFP and, you know, cast a net out to the PBM community. Um, 
you know, but I think when, when you start to look at the results, I would also just implore that you see through them, meaning make sure they're stacked apples to apples in the comparison and so that you can evaluate it the right way, you know? And, and again, like, I hope it didn't come off like employee disruption is something that we need to take very seriously right now, right? Current state of the economy, if you start thinking about like talent today and what this virtual sort of kind of COVID delivered uh, enablement has brought us, like talent is moving and shifting across organizations and landscapes rapidly. So like taking care of your people and like how that, you know, pulls into your culture is really important. So like, don't lose sight of it. I'm not trying to, you know, undermine it. But if you take those pieces in consideration, I think you'll, you'll, you put yourself on a better path and there are people out there who are going to show you some, they'll, they'll let you see behind the curtains. We're one of them. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I, I completely agree. Let's, let's remember that our people within our organizations, they are our most important asset uh, and, and consider how much we invest in other forms of capital within a business, financial capital, intellectual property and capital um, the plant equipment property, all, you know, financial capital, all these different forms of capital. We spend a lot of time ensuring that it's managed well, that it's taken care of, that we, we reinvest in it, that we maintain it. Um, and for some reason, inexplicably in many organizations, the human capital piece, the human asset is not given that same kind of priority and focus. And especially in an area like healthcare benefits, where the costs are so put such a strain on organizations and it does represent a huge investment. Let's do it in a smart way. Let's, let's spend a little bit more time uh, in terms of our approach, our mindset, our strategy in doing it in a way that makes sense so that we can add, uh, add the best benefit to uh, our people. That's going to resonate with them and get going to be valuable, actually valuable to them. And let's do it in a way that where we can attract and retain great people and have a good organizational culture. And that's ultimately what it all comes down to. Well, Eric, it has just been a pleasure. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Uh, before we wrap up the conversation for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your company, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Thanks, John. And by the way, really well said. I, I could not have said it better myself in the way to summarize that. Um, you can reach out to us at goodrootinc.com. Uh, we have a variety of companies sort of underneath our umbrella that deliver different options and services, whether you're fully insured today or self-funded, uh, whether you're interested in a full major medical uh, solution or just a pharmacy solution, we have those pathways. Um, uh, even if you're interested in, if you're a broker and you're interested in taking groups through RFP processes, our consulting team in AlignRx uh, can take you through that. So you can go online and check us out. We have links to all of our social handles. We're very active, posting think pieces, et cetera. Um, you know, I think my, my final words or, or summary for this conversation would just be to get engaged and just know that there are paths out there that are real. And in line with what you said, John, I, I just, some of my clients, it's sort of interesting to see the light bulbs go off on what they could do with savings. They can buy down the benefit burden from their, from the employee perspective while delivering better care, better access, right? Some add and invest in people and bring more talent on. 
right? So it's, it's really, and some of the savings are really meaningful. Like, talking about more than one person, like a lot of people um, and significantly enhancing a benefit. So uh, anyway, I really do appreciate the time. Um, thank you for that. And, uh, and we, we jump at the chance to help anyone we could. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. It has just been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Eric and his team can do for you. This is a really important topic. We need to do it right. We need to do it better. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels. 
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.